Are you willing to sacrifice your life? This is row one, seat one. Well, this is nice. When did we start doing this? Nobody told me about this. I got everything stuck now. Do you have a card? You got COVID? COVID said, oh, I see you having a good season. It'd be a shame if I... I knocked over the microphone for those listening and not watching the video. Yeah. I'm going to, okay? Jada, I love you. Can't wait to see you, all right? <laughs> Luck is for dudes. Oh, there is no one on that Broncos team that I love more right now than Vaughn Miller. That man is an absolute goddamn legend. He could come into my house and fuck my wife, and I would say thank you very much, sir. Man to man? I don't know. The mayor of New Orleans <laughs> basically came out twirling the umbrella like, fuck Drew Brees and his wife. Who would you like, rather have sex with? We would be... I'm an island boy. I, I'm like this island boy. I picture That's Joey it. now on every Sunday watching Teddy Two Gloves, like that SpongeBob meme where he's like dried out with the eyes fucking like bloodshot. Like, Ooh, yeah. That's the stuff, baby. You Don't shake my bones and you rattle my balls. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, Phil? Walk, walk. Oh, yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us tonight. Another episode of Row 1, Seat 1 right here on the one, the only, the new Bedford Guide. I am your host, Joey Fats. With me as always, well, nobody, nobody tonight. I am just a man alone with his thoughts. And uh, it is going to be a good time. We're going to have a good time. We're only going to be here for about, I don't know, maybe an hour or so. Uh, So please, if you are are tuned in, by all means, give us a like and a share. And uh, get out, uh, get the good word out, and uh, let people know that uh, there's a good sports talk show that is taking place right now, live on Facebook, also on Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R.com, backslash Joey dash fats uh 774-992-8702 is the number i will be taking your calls tonight uh that is as always a staple of this show always has been always will be i gave paul and sean the night off tonight uh i did not want to force them to come up here into this uh quite literal and figurative sweatshop uh and have to talk sports with me uh it is the dead time of the year if you will and uh, there's not a ton to talk about, but I did manage to find some pretty intriguing things that I think we could talk about here that could cover about an hour or so of your time. And I appreciate you spending it with me and uh, giving me your likes, your views, your 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 contributions uh, to this show, as we always do here on Row One C One. We love it. We do it for you guys. Uh, that's why we're here. But uh, yes, it is going to be a very very fun show. I've got basically. The big three things that are going on right now. LeBron James, Tiger Woods, and the Major League Baseball. Now, I know it sounds like 2010 called and they want their lineup back, uh, but I can assure you that this is relevant and that these three things are all intertwined. And they're all very much, uh, how do you say, current and appropriate. Uh, for tonight's topic. So if you want to get in on this action, 774-992-8702. We're going to kick it off with golf. Then we're going to get into LeBron. And then we're going to get into some MLB. 
I'll be taking your calls in between. Feel free to call in whenever. There is no right or wrong time to call in. There is no question too stupid. There is no topic too dumb. You want to talk football, I got you. You want to talk racing, I got you. You want to talk whatever you got you. What I've got lined up for you tonight, though, are three things that I felt were near and dear to my heart and uh, three things that I felt like needed to be talked about. Uh, I was going to take the night off and just, you know, have no show tonight at all, period, and just say, you know what, fuck it. Like, we're just, it's the dead time of the year. Nobody really wants to talk about anything. It's it's just it's that it's that it's that point. We're in July. Training camp doesn't start for another week. There's really just not much going on. Fantasy football drafts haven't started up yet. And Lord knows nobody likes to talk about your fantasy team. Uh, but we all do. We're all guilty of it. So we're gonna do this. We're gonna do the three the big three. We're gonna do Tiger. We're gonna do LeBron. We're gonna do Major League Baseball tonight. Unless, of course, you have something that you want to talk about. 774-992-8702. Show will be live up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, wherever you get your podcasts from. The show will be up live right after the show is completed. Uh, usually within about an hour. Uh, I have this up, edited, and ready to go. Uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, let's dive right into it. Over the weekend, we had the Open. At the old course, St. Andrews. And the uh, the Aussie took down his second tournament of the year, Cam Smith. It just an absolute juggernaut of a performance uh, at that course. Anybody who knows St. Andrews is just it, – it's one of the more fascinating courses that you will ever see. And I don't want to get into too much. I'm not going to get into the, the, the nitty-gritty, the boringness of golf and the X's and O's, if you will, of the golfing game, of striking the golfing bowl. Uh, because, let's face it, most of you don't watch. Most of you don't care. Uh, most of you don't play, even though uh, every single time I go to make a tee time at Allendale or Cushnet these days, my – my golf buddy now, app, my golf app now, uh, book whatever golf app I use to book tee times, would disagree. Seems like every single one of you is out there playing. But the bottom line is that there was a great tournament at a great course that took place over the weekend. And Cam Smith winning it was, I wouldn't say a surprise. He was one of those guys that was pegged to kind of be in the upper echelon. You know, Will Zalatoris, you had... Uh, you know, uh, you had DJ, you had the, the live golf guys that were participating in this tournament as well. And that was a, that was a big deal. And, and I'll tell you why it was a big deal. Uh, because live is poaching the PGA to death right now. And we'll get into that in a second. But the big story that came out of St. Andrews this past weekend was Tiger Woods. And not for the reasons we are accustomed to. What do I mean by that? Tiger Woods did not play well. Tiger Woods finished, what, 13, 14, 15 back off the lead? He, or, or over par even? He did not have a great day. He's still recovering from that injury, from the car accident. Tiger Tiger was the reason why a lot of people tuned in on Thursday and Friday. Because they wanted to see if he was going to make the cut. Because we all know in the world of golf, what Tiger does 
means everything to how many people view it, how many people tune in, what people are watching, what people care about. Tiger not doing well and failing and failing to make the cut was kind of the end of an era. It was the end of a run for a professional athlete that we may never see again. Tiger went in and he hobbled around St. Andrews. He did not play well. You could tell he was wounded. You could tell he's not back yet. And when you given you know, given his age, what I think he's forty one now, you've got to wonder if that last Masters that he won, what to in twenty nineteen, if that was it for Tiger, if that was the end of us seeing Tiger on Sundays as we once knew him. He didn't look good. He missed the cut. He obviously didn't play good. And I think this is a problem here that golf is going to have, especially the PGA in particular, going forward for a couple of reasons. So number one, obviously, the end of an era. We've got Tiger. He's done. He's all done. I said it when he got into the car accident. We were probably never going to see Tiger again the way that we, uh, we always thought we would see Tiger. We never, we're never going to see Tiger again. We're never going to see him compete on a Sunday that matters ever again. It's just the fact. It's just the way it is. And it is as unfortunate as unfortunate gets because Tiger was one of the single most popular draws in all of sports. Tiger was the one dude that made his sport relevant. Tiger made put golf on the map and kept it there for the last two and a half decades. Okay, since I was in middle school, I've known about Tiger Woods. Remember P. Diddy? And is in uh, in the music video. Puffy Woods to defeat Fuzzy Badfeet for the title. And that was what, nine, that was post-Biggie. That was 97. So that was post-Biggie dying. Like, that's how long Tiger's been around. So this guy's been around for 25 years now, at least as a, as a strong, important figure in the PGA. This is not some guy that we're just like, you know, kind of like, this isn't, and, and no disrespect to Bubba Watson or, 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 or Greg Norman or Phil Mickelson, guys who they'll skate off into the sunset and we might be like, oh, wow, you know, that sucks. It fucking sucks. They're gone. But you know what? There's somebody else there to replace them. Not with Tiger. There's nobody there to replace Tiger. Tiger was the number one draw in sports for two and a half decades. Okay, you can sit there and say, okay, you had the Red Sox, the Yankees, you had Peyton and Brady, you had... You know, in insert the Celtics and the Lakers. I get like you, you insert a rivalry here. Nobody drew more eyes than Tiger playing on Sunday. Half because people were, most people weren't even intrigued. They didn't even care about golf. They don't care. They don't like golf. They're like, I don't play it. I don't know anything. But they wanted to see if this guy could do it. If he could be as dominant as he is being portrayed to be could he live up to the hype and for many of those times and we were all very fortunate to see it for many of those occasions tiger not only lived up to but he exceeded the hype 
Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer that we've ever seen. Tiger Woods might be the greatest athlete of this generation when it comes to getting eyeballs on him. Now, I know there's you've got your you know, your one-offs, your Floyd Mayweathers, your Manny Pacquiao's, your Super Bowls are always going to be up there, your NBA Finals, your MLB Finals, whatever. But did anybody ever tune in to, I don't know, pick a sport simply because one guy was doing it? Yes, they did, but they were rare occasions and they were one-offs, not for two and a half decades. People tuned into Major League Baseball in the late 90s because they wanted to see what Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going to do. People tuned into the to the NBA in the 90s because they wanted to see what Michael Jordan was going to do. People tuned in to see LeBron. They tuned in to see Kobe. But not to the degree that they tuned in to see Tiger. And the ratings are just, the, the, the numbers are there, and it's irrefutable. Tiger was the straw that stirred the drink for the PGA and for the golf world. He is the greatest golfer that I've ever seen. He is the greatest golfer. He's the greatest competitor that I've ever seen. And I really don't know if there's ever... I I can't shower enough accolades or use enough language to tell you how great Tiger Woods is. And I don't need to tell you. You already know. If you're sitting here watching this show right now, you already know how great Tiger Woods is. You already know how great he was. You already know what he did for the game of golf. It can't be understated, but yet there's, there's nothing that I can say that is going to mean anything or be more impactful than just telling you, go on YouTube. Watch the crowds. Watch the shots. Watch the comebacks. Watch the dominance. Nobody did it better than Tiger. Nobody. Nobody dominated a sport in the last two and a half decades the way that Tiger is. Not Tom Brady, not Peyton Manning, not Michael Jordan, not Kobe Bryant, not LeBron James. Not the captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Derek Jeter. Not Bonds, not McGuire, nobody. Tiger did all that himself. He was a one-man wrecking crew. He went out there and he absolutely bodied people on the golf course. He was an assassin. He did not give a shit about your thoughts, your feelings, he wanted, not only did he want to beat you, but he wanted to crush your soul. He was that type of dude. And he did it for two and a half decades. And unfortunately, it's going to be cut a little bit shorter than maybe it perhaps would have been because of a car accident. Now, I'm not saying he definitely would have kept on this, this trend of just world beating because he was getting older. He, we, we, we all know the chronicles, the back surgeries. We all know everything that Tiger went through with the injuries and, and battling back, the knees, the whole night. We all witnessed it. We all saw it. We all lived through it. But this man was the best golfer to ever play the game. And I really don't even know if it's going to be a, if there's anybody on the radar that's even going to become uh, come close. I really don't. Phil couldn't. DJ sure as shit ain't. Rory ain't. And this is no disrespect to those guys. Those are good golfers. Brooks, Bryson, fuck out of here. They ain't touching Tiger. They ain't even coming close. So what we witnessed on 
whatever Friday when when Tiger finally you know was announced to have missed the cut, and he walked up to the final. I, I believe it was the 18th green, for what felt like the last time that he would be doing this in a major. The crowd was roaring. Everybody was going nuts. And it just felt like the end of an era. You know, you get that feeling like when you're watching something in sports and Brett Favre kind of maybe made us numb to this a little bit because Brett Favre used to retire like, you know, he retired every year from like 04 to like, you know, whatever, 08, 09, whatever it was. And he, you know, we kind of got like sick of like the, okay, great. Here we, here we go. Here comes the Brett Favre retirement tour. Like, okay, great. This isn't a retirement tour. This isn't a guy hanging it up, but this is the acknowledgement of the end of an era that a professional athlete that was so dominant was able to do what he did. This is, this is it. This is us saying, Tiger, thank you. We love you. You've done everything you can. You've given us everything that we could possibly have asked for. But this is it. And you got that feeling over the weekend that this was the end of that era. Era, not error. Make sure I'm a little bit more punctual. Uh, sorry, if, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, if, I, if I don't get to your comments, if I can't respond to your comments, because I don't want to be, like, looking to my right at the screen the whole time. Um, so please forgive me. I'll try to uh, put this over here somewhere where I can actually see it. But, um... Nonetheless, it was the end of an era. It was the end of something special. It was the end of something that we we will we will likely never see again in our lifetimes. And if we do, we'll be blessed to have seen it twice. So thank you, Tiger. Thank you for all everything you've done. Love him or hate him. And I know people that hate Tiger Woods. I know plenty of people that loathe. Tiger Woods, whether they met him personally and they were like, he's a fucking asshole. And I have actually more than a few eyewitness accounts, people who personally met Tiger and said he was one of the biggest assholes in real life that they've ever met. Whatever. I'm not here to be his friend. I'm here to watch him play on Sundays. When he puts on the red shirt and the black pants, that's all I give a shit about. It's all that matters. So the people that hate him, they're probably glad to see him gone. They're celebrating. They're, they're like, oh, whatever, dude. We're on to bigger and better things, man. We got the Aussie. We got Cam Smith. We got Rory. We got, well, we don't have DJ anymore. He's in live, but we'll see how that goes, the whole live golf thing. But Tiger is done. Tiger is done. I said it on this show what a year and a half ago when he got into the accident this would that would be it and i said we would be lucky to ever see him on a golf course again competing in a major let alone winning one i mean forget winning one and at his age listen i'm i'm not against him i'm rooting for him i would love to see him come back next year next season whatever take a year off get his body right and come back and still be able to play i just don't I just don't believe it's going to happen. And the other part of this Tiger era ending, and this is kind of the bigger the bigger story here, because 
yes, we, we're losing a legend of two and a half decades. But golf as a sport is at a crossroads like we have yet, we haven't seen in our lifetime. My generation, we haven't seen this. The 35 and under crowd, we have not seen what the PGA and golf as a sport is about to go through. 774-992-8702. Give me a call if you want to get in on some of this action. Make sure you give us a like and a share. So what am I talking about here? Where Golf is about to go through a transition. Well, we just saw the end of an era with Tiger basically hanging, you know, you know, conceding to father time and injuries and everything else. And not, not you know, some no fault of his own, circumstances, so on and so forth. Whatever the, whatever the reason may be, Tiger is done. Tiger at one point, and this is where I think the PGA's problems started. Tiger at one point became bigger than golf. Tiger at one point became bigger than the game of golf. People tuned in to see Tiger. They didn't tune in to see great golf. They knew they were getting great golf when they watched on Sundays and Tiger was playing. What they were tuning in to see was an athlete, an athlete who was so dominant that they just wanted to see how much he could rack up, how many wins, how many tournaments, how many majors. Could he catch Jack? Could he be the greatest of all time? In my opinion, he is. I know his numbers don't, you know, he's he's still shy of Jack's record uh, by by a, a bunch or whatever it is, but... At the end of the day, Tiger was the greatest golfer I've ever seen. And probably ever. I mean, realistically, when we think about it, when you look at the numbers, the statistics, the metrics, the things that we have now, too, that we didn't necessarily have 30, 40 years ago when we were measuring golfers. Um, But Tiger became bigger than the game of golf. People tuned into golf to see Tiger. And everybody knew that. Everybody in the PGA knew it was all about Tiger. If Tiger was playing on Sundays, the ratings are gonna be through the roof. If Tiger wasn't playing on Sundays, well, shit, we gotta we gotta fucking we gotta figure something out because this this could get real ugly or this could be real good. We don't know, but we gotta get something figured out. Did they? I I I, I don't know that they did. And for a little while there, they rode Tiger's coattails. You know, we had the you know the great Bubba Watson stuff. There was drama with Phil Mickelson. You know, recently we've had Brooks and and, and uh, DeChambeau. Uh, you know, we've had tons of guys that have come through and just and, and done it. Uh, uh, Matsu, uh, was it Matsu, Matsuyama? Uh, we've had plenty of people in the PGA that have come through and given us great storylines. Great, epic, awesome sports moments. But is golf ready for the post-Tiger generation? I I don't know how they can. I mean, Tiger's been doing this since I was 10, 12 years old. I don't don't know that they have anybody, you know, loaded up. I mean, I know they wanted Brooks and, and, and Bryson to be those guys, but they're, you know, they, they're skip, they skip town. You know, Brooks is going to live. He's taking that Saudi blood money. He's getting that bag, baby. And he's going and he's going to get his. 
So golf right now is at a crossroads because you've got the end of the era of the biggest draw that you've ever had in your sports history in Tiger Woods. He is no longer going to be relevant on a week-to-week basis throughout the season. And I mean, I know it's not every single week, but you know what I'm getting at. He is not going to be relevant year-round, or he's not going to be relevant during the season. It's He, he might have a, game, uh, a tournament here or there, uh, where he pops up and, you know, has himself a good good day and, you know, things fall right and, and, and he finds himself on Sunday. But the days of Tiger being the favorite, the odds-on favorite to win a tournament, long gone. The days of Tiger being odds-on favorite to, to make the cut, long gone. Golf's got a problem, especially the PGA. So golf is a sport is is flourishing right now because a lot of people discovered it over COVID because one of the few things that you could do while we were still locked down. A lot of people found golf or rediscovered golf and how much they loved, or in my case, hated playing it. And if you're a masochist like me, you love golf because it is the one game where you can just go out and you are absolutely livid for four hours and then as soon as you put that 18th pin back in the hole and you walk off the course, you go, all right, when are we playing next? What what day we, what day do we want to play? Do you want to play again tomorrow? It's like, dude, you just blew like 10 blood vessels and almost had a heart attack on 16. And you want to go, you want to play again tomorrow? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely I do. But you seemed miserable. Oh, I was. I was 100% miserable. But you know what? Now that I look back at it, four hours in the sun, a couple beers, hanging out with my boys, some tunes, you know, maybe it doesn't seem all that bad. We'll forget that. We'll forget that hundred even that I shot. Fuck that. You know, that's just, that's for the birds. We'll, we'll just ignore that part of the whole day. But golf as a spectator sport is in a totally different spot. Because no matter how much you play golf, no matter how much you love golf, it is tough to watch golf. I find golf difficult to watch on television because I just get so aggravated with how simple they make it look. You know that on the PGA Tour, the average distance on an approach shot, which I think was like 120 or under, for whatever, or however they defined it, was like 100, call it 120 yards. The average distance to the pin that they would stick the ball was like 12 feet. That was average. That means half of the guys were inside of that. And I'm like, tw- if I can get a ball 12 feet from the pin on a flop shot from 17 yards in front of the bunker, I'm all, I'm with it. I'll take it. That's a great shot for me. I'm also not a professional golfer. So sometimes I have to remind myself that these guys have hit thousands upon thousands upon thousands of golf balls. These guys have hit more 120-yard approach shots in one round at the range than I have in my entire life combined. In every match I've played, range or otherwise. It's just the way it is. This is the difference between... This is the difference, you know, you have to remember when you're watching golf on Sundays, when you're sitting on your couch, 
and you see a guy brick it and he, he chunks it or whatever into a bunker. And you're like, fucking bum. You're like, yeah, dude, your ball would have gone like four feet and then you would have taken three more shots and then still ended up in said bunker. And then you would have got up and four putted and you would have ended up with like a 12 or a 13 on that hole that this guy's about to bogey. But he's a bum because he bogeyed it. And you're like, fuck. It's the equivalent of like playing in, you know, Dartmouth Youth League, DY basketball, and then graduating high school and being like, all right, yeah, I'm ready for the NBA. You know, I played some youth league, okay? Mr. Burgo coached me up a little bit when I was in middle school. I think I'm ready. I'm ready for the big boys. Send me in there, coach. And then you go in there and you're like, oh. And you're getting your shit pushed in by guys who are like freshmen in high school. And they're, they're playing like CYO and you're like, wait, what? Huh? Wait, how do I suck this bad? You're like, oh, yeah, no, you really suck. You wicked suck. You're terrible at sports. We just didn't tell you because we didn't want to hurt your feelings. But, like, yeah, you, like, lining up, like, as a big man outside the three-point marker, like, maybe in 2022 that was cool, but in, like, 1999, nah, that, mm-mm. No, you were a fat, big body. You got your ass down into the basket. You grabbed boards, and you gave it to the kids who could actually play. You know, the kids who were actually athletes. Now, that's the equivalent of watching golf on Sunday and being frustrated watching these guys play golf and, it, and trying to compare it to something that you do on a regular basis. It's like saying, like, oh, well, you know, I, I commute to work every day. I could, I could definitely hop in a Formula One car and go compete for a championship. Nope. No. No, you don't know how to merge properly on the highway. I, I have a hard time believing that you could negotiate a turn at 160 miles an hour. Um, you know, while being inches from another car that's doing the same amount of speed. So, back to my point. Watching golf and playing golf are two different things. The popularity of golf has exploded on the course, but the popularity of golf on TV, while it has gone up the last couple of years because people have had this refined, uh, what do I say, renewed interest, I guess. I don't even want to say renewed or, or this newly discovered interest in watching the pros play, it really lends a problem to the PGA and to professional golf. Because, because why? Who's the biggest draw in golf? Tiger Woods. What's Tiger Woods doing these days? Getting shit on. He's not good. He's not making cuts. He's playing on Thursday and Friday when everybody's at work and no one gets to see him on Saturday or Sunday. The other flip side of that problem, you've got the Live Golf League. Ladies and gentlemen, I hate to break it to you, but Liv, Liv is making some moves, and Liv does not look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. They got a shit ton of money, and spare me your sanctimonious, self-righteous bullshit about Saudi Arabian blood money. I don't give a fuck who is funding the Liv Golf League. I really don't. If they want to pay $80 million to play eight tournaments, three rounds, 54 holes, like whatever, uh, or yeah, whatever, 36, 56, whatever, 54 holes, that's it? You want to pay that kind of dough? By all means, go fucking nuts. Spend your money. And I hate to tell you, but this is the problem that golf is running into. Live 
is undercutting the PGA by a large margin right now. Not only are they poaching their players, okay, we already know about Brooks. We already know about, you know, Phil and and all the other myriad of different golfers that have gone over to the Live Golf Tournament, right? They're only allowed to play in the majors. They can't play PGA events, which, honestly, I don't even know that anybody even, you know, any casual golf fan even knows or gives a shit about the difference between those two things. They really don't. I mean, you saw it on this, you saw it this past weekend. The Live guys got next to no TV time. None. Unless they did something completely spectacular, you really didn't see them during the broadcast. The the PGA was definitely in control of who was getting the screen time at St. Andrews. Okay, fair enough. Like, you want to play hardball? We're going to play hardball. But Liv made some moves over this this weekend during the open, and I don't think this was I don't think this was accidental. I really don't. I, I believe that this was all done on purpose. I believe that this was done uh intentionally in an attempt to, you know, screw over the PGA as best they could. Live Golf poached David David Ferti, who, if you know who David Ferti is, he is the voice of golf on the Golf Network. He has been a PGA guy forever. He has been all over everything. He is one of the premier golf commentators. He is now a part of the Live Golf Tournament. He is going to live. Anybody who knows who David Ferti, and I say his name like that because he's, whatever, Scottish, English, I think he's Scottish. Uh, anybody who knows who he is knows that that's a big fucking deal. And then you sprinkle in on top of that the rumors that Cam Smith, just days after winning the Open at St. Andrews, is now allegedly being reported reportedly on the brink of signing a, a, a very lucrative contract with Liv to also join the quote-unquote dark side. So you've got the end of an era with Tiger Woods culminating or coinciding with these players leaving to go to live. And not just these players, they're taking your play-by-play guys, they're taking your analysts, they've got the money and I think you're going to find out, and I know this is a very harsh reality for most people when they wake up and they realize that a lot of people that they look up to or that they, they enjoy watching as athletes or artists or whatever, they're not above being bought. Okay, nobody cares about Jamal Khashoggi. Okay, and the Saudi dictator, you know, ordering his body to be chopped up into a million pieces. Uh, Cam Smith doesn't give a shit about that. Phil Mickelson doesn't give a shit about that. Nobody on the on the Live Golf Tour gives a shit about that. You know why? Because it's not their fucking problem. Just the same way it's not LeBron James's problem 
that the CCP is enslaving Uyghur Muslims in order to make Nike gear and make the NBA millions. Put a pin in that. We'll get to that in a minute. That being said, nobody cares. And it is a tough pill for people to swallow when they realize that these guys who are getting paid 80, 90, 100 million dollars to show up to eight tournaments a year and play three rounds. And they're going to make more money just by signing on to play those tournaments than they would have made in their entire careers for the, if they were able to play for the next 15, 20 years in the PGA. They would, they'll make more than that. People, the money is real. Money talks. We know this. It's not above Phil Mickelson. It's not above David Ferretti. It's not above Cam Smith or Brooks. These guys are all going to live. Why? Because they're going to make that money. Do you think they give a shit about Jamal Khashoggi? And I'm not saying that they shouldn't. Or they shouldn't even, you know, they shouldn't have an opinion on it or shouldn't say anything or whatever. But do you think when they're getting paid, when they check their direct deposit after they sign that deal, do you think they care about Jamal Khashoggi? No. No, they don't. I can guarantee you they don't. You know why? Because they're taking the money. And that's where we get to the point of what, what is going to happen to golf over the next few years here? Okay, the PGA, we, we already know Tiger's gone. Who's the big draw in the PGA right now? Rory? He's boring as shit. I, I mean, I, I literally can't think of anybody... In the on the PGA tour right now, then I I'd be like, oh yeah, oh no, I got to see him. Oh he's oh he's in he made the cut. Oh yeah, let's oh oh this is it's down to these two. Oh yeah, let's watch that. Can't think of any names. Can't even do it. And that's the way it's going to be. And you're going to have to understand that when you go forward now, PGA is going to is in a very precarious position. They're losing talent. They're hemorrhaging talent because the Live Golf Tour is overpaying for mediocre talent. I mean, we know, uh, what's his name? Pat, um, Pat, what's his face there? The fucking dink that has his parents kicked out of everything. I want to say Patrick Smith, but that seems too generic. I, I could be off on that, but whatever. It doesn't matter. You know who I'm talking about. Does anybody care that he, he's getting paid $80 million to be there? Does, do you think he gives a flying fuck about the Saudi Arabian dictator's politics or what he's doing on the field? Nope. Sure doesn't. Sure fucking doesn't. Does not give a shit about any of it. Because these are golfers. They're out for one person and one person only. There's no team. There's no there's no camaraderie. There's no they don't owe anybody shit. They're just out there to get theirs. And guess what? The Saudis are going to give them theirs. So they're going to take it, as they should. So to put a happy little bow on this golf tournament talk, who's next? We've got the rumors that Cam Smith is next. Who's after that? Matsuyama? 
Who knows? Bubba Watson? Will Tiger take the light, take the leap? Could you imagine if Tiger decided, you know what? I really can't compete in uh in the PGA anymore, but Liv is gonna give me two hundred and fifty million to go play eight tournaments a year, so because I'm Tiger Woods. So you know what? I'll give him eight tournaments a year for the next three years. That's fine. I'll do that. No one cares if he wins or not. People are still going to watch. Now, where can you watch the Live Golf Tournament? I have no fucking idea. I know it's all online. I know it's commercial free, which doesn't also bode well for the older crowd, the the ingrained golf crowd. But I have to imagine that the ingrained golf crowd is probably not going to be watching Live just based on principle anyway. I think Live is targeted at the people my age and under. The tech savvy, the Gen X, the, you know, whatever, Gen whatever fucking Zoomers or whatever the fuck they are. The the kids that know how to get on YouTube, know how to stream shit, can do it on their phone with, the, with, with two swipes of their thumb. That's who I think they're going after. But if they got some familiar names like Mickelson, Woods, Capco, the Shambo, shit, I mean, they're going to have it. I mean, think about this way, right? What was the most popular... The two most popular golfing events of this year so far. You have obviously you had the Masters. And it was the second most popular golfing event of the year. It was the match. It was the match between Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, and Josh Allen. The second most popular golfing event of the year didn't even include a professional fucking golfer. What does that tell you? Golf's got a problem. Golf's got issues. PGA, they better they better figure something out and they better figure it out quick. 774-992-8702. That's the phone number. Give me a call. You got something you want to talk about. Obviously, we just spent about, uh, I don't know, shit, 40 minutes on golf. We still got LeBron and uh, a little bit of Major League Baseball to get to. Plenty of time. Plenty of time to do those things. In fact, I think the LeBron thing is going to be probably the easiest, quickest thing I've ever done. And the reason why I bring it up on the heels of the golf tournament thing is because, obviously, I, I, I alluded to it during during my my spiel, my my rant about Liv and about the Saudi Arabians and the blood money and Jamal Khashoggi, who if you don't know who he is, go look it up. I don't have time to, I'm not going to sit here and and rehash the whole thing. If you're unfamiliar with it, it was he was a reporter who was reporting fairly. Um, but the thing is with dictatorships, you don't get to report fairly. If the dictator does not like how you're reporting, guess what? You die. Uh, and he died, allegedly. Um, so, so the story goes. Go look it up. It's all out there. Ah, need a little bit of refreshment. It is hot up here tonight. I'm glad, you know, in part, I'm glad I gave Sean and Paul the night off um, because I really didn't want them to have to be up here and and just, you know, and be struggling with me, so to speak, um, because it is it is it is, it is brutally hot up here right now. And uh, I just want to check here. I just want to make sure that uh, I'm not missing stuff. So okay, there we go. Um, 
it is warm. And it is important to stay hydrated, and that's why I choose Kettle One. It is the most hydrating of all the vodkas. It delivers the electrolytes that I need to stay hydrated throughout my day. It gives me the power to wake up in the morning. And by the power, I mean it doesn't give me a hangover um, because it's not shit-tier vodka. Uh, So after this show, when I hang up these headphones and I put this microphone away and I turn directly to my right and I fire up my iRacing simulator and I decide to go racing my 34 coupes at Linear Speedway or I decide to take a next-gen NASCAR out to Michigan or I want to go race the NASCAR trucks at Pocono tonight. I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm going to do after the show. I I know I'm going to go racing. Uh, I just don't know where or when. Or maybe I'll go watch Stranger Things. I don't know. Uh, I haven't haven't really decided yet. Um, But all I know is that Kettle One uh, is the best tasting, the smoothest, the most hydrating vodka that there is on the market. Uh, I've drank a lot of vodka in my day. I can assure you from experience uh, that I get less hangovers, less cramps, less dehydration uh, with the good old kettle, and uh, it is well worth your money. So uh, I drink it, it works for me, and it should work for you too. Uh, That being said, let's talk about, uh, let's talk a little bit about LeBron James. So I alluded to it during my rant about Liv. And and the Saudi Arabians and the blood money, right? Okay, we all know, at this point, I think we all know, and I think, I just think, we all know that LeBron James is about as big of a hypocrite in sports that has ever existed. Now, he's the most outspoken. We know he's never gotten past page one of a book. He's pulled off hate hoaxes, and yet he also plays for my Los Angeles Lakers, and I am desperately rooting for him to win us banner number 18. That being said, my love affair with LeBron James ends the second he steps off the court. And the reason why my love affair ends with him is not because he hates cops. It's not because he tweets out things like, you're next, uh, when he puts a bullseye on the back of a cop who just saves someone's life. Uh, it's not when he speaks off the cuff about, you know, Black Lives Matter and and the absolute just ripoff that that was. Like, I mean, anybody who donated to BLM just got fleeced. And, and I get it. That has to hurt. Like, that has to hurt. It has to hurt to look in the mirror and be like, wow, I donated to Patrice Cullors and making sure that she could buy six mansions in Los Angeles. Like... That's all I did. Did did I do anything to advance uh, black lives? Probably not. Um, did any of that money go to doing anything good? Probably not. It made a lot of people rich. I mean, it was a grift and a half. It was the grift of the century. It was the greatest grift since Hitler. I mean, that was unbelievably well-timed, well-placed. And they just fleeced y'all for money. Like, it was unbelievable. To see how many people donated money to Black Lives Matter, the corporation. Because obviously, you know, Black Lives Matter, the idea, and Black Lives Matter, the, you know, TM, uh, are two totally different things. But I don't expect everybody to know that. And I know there's a lot of liberals that listen to this show that really can't understand the difference between those two things. But they are definitely two different things. Uh, one, of, one of them got 
bought random people mansions and cars and paid them $900,000 to be, you know, whatever, I don't know, sound engineers for content creation, uh, consultants, whatever it might be. Uh, and then, you know, the other is, you know, I think there actually is a legit underlying amount of people that, that do believe that they were doing the right thing, but they got tripped up and, and they got they got, they got conned. It is what it is. LeBron James is one of these people who conned you. LeBron James is a hypocrite. LeBron James pulled off a hate hoax. Remember when he uh, he claimed that somebody sprayed uh, spray painted the N word on the front of his garage at his home in L.A., which he wasn't at at the time, and they called the cops to report it. But by the time the cops got there, it had uh, quote unquote been all been washed off, and he got rid of it because he didn't want his quote kids to see it. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm going to go ahead and call a little bit of bullshit there, LeBron. And then you've got LeBron doing what LeBron does best. And and this is what, this is where, like, like I have such a love-hate relationship with LeBron James. I love him because he plays for the Lakers, and he's going to win me titles. He's already won me one. He's probably going to win me another one. If he doesn't, I'm going to lose a couple of bets, so I kind of need him to win me another one. But that's neither here nor there. Off the court, I, I firmly believe that as a straight white male who works in law enforcement, LeBron would probably rather me be dead. And that's okay. That's his opinion. Um, I, I think he's an asshole for having it, but, you know, whatever. If he ever wants to sit down and have a beer, maybe Obama can orchestrate that one. You know, we can go and bump glasses and say, hey, man, I'm not so bad. You're not so bad. Um, and everybody's all hunky-dory afterwards. But... The biggest thing that fucking pisses me off about LeBron, and this is what I fucking hate about you the most, LeBron, you're making me defend Boston fans. You're about to make me sit here and fucking defend the one fan base that I truly, truly loathe more than anybody in sports. Baltimore, you ain't got shit. Raiders fans, I don't even fucking know you exist when Boston fans are in the room. Chiefs fans couldn't give two fucks. Don't care. New York, don't even, who? Who's New York? Has New York even been relevant for the last 20 years? When was the last time a New York team outside the Giants won something? I don't remember. The fact that LeBron James is going to sit here and make me fucking defend Boston fans goes up my fucking ass sideways. What did LeBron do to make me defend Boston fans? Well, you probably saw or heard the clip of LeBron calling Boston, just saying Boston is outright racist. Racist. Boston. Why don't you like Boston? Why why, why don't you like playing in Boston, LeBron? (laughs) They're racist as fuck. Well, hold up. You know what? Don't listen to me. Take LeBron's word for it. Here. In basketball, there are fans that you go play away that they can literally take the game from you. You can feel like them. The fans is not going to let us win this one tonight. Yes, I mean, I mean, what places? I mean, Boston. Boston, yeah. Why, why do you Why do you hate Boston? Because <laughs> they racist as fuck. That's yeah, they why nasty. they will say yeah. they will say anything, and it's fine. I mean, fuck, it's my life. It. I mean, yeah. I've been dealing with it. my whole life. I don't mind it. Like I hear it. Like if I hear somebody like close by, I check them real quick. I move on to the game, whatever the fuck. They're gonna say whatever the fuck they want to say. 
They might throw something on you. I mean, I got a beer thrown on me leaving the game. You know, like, Boston is, I'm, yeah, Boston it's is, the only place in the NBA in America you go yeah. and they have like shirts that say like, fuck LeBron. Yeah, like, it was like, it was like a, section. It was like it was a like, fuck LBJ t-shirt. <laughs> I believe they probably sold it at the fucking team they, shop. No, they <laughs> sold it outside the arena. No, they, <laughs> they sold it at the team shop. I'm going to have something to do with that shit. So they, yeah, so Boston is racist as fuck. And if I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to that, okay, you all know me. You've all known me for a long time. I hate Boston fans. If you are a Boston Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins fan, there is a decent chance that I have probably taken a swing at you or you've taken a swing at me at some point at an at a, at a event in the past 20 years. There is definitely a good chance that we have gone at it on Facebook. I've had people tell me that they fucked my wife, that they were, they, they were going to kill my dog, that they hope that I died of a heart attack, that I got testicular cancer, that they hoped I had diabetes by the time I was 40. Literally, whatever it is that you could think of, the worst thing that has ever been said to you, I have it, I've had it said to me over and over again simply because I hate Boston sports teams, more notably their fans. They're fair weather, they're front-running, they're arrogant. I mean, they're so arrogant that they make Steelers fans look like, I, I, like fucking Boy Scouts. I don't even know, like, like, like wholesome little like, oh, gee, Willie Shucks. <laughs> we lost that game. Shuck, shook them up. That was too bad. Great job, though, to the other team. Boston sports fans are the fucking worst. I've had Celtics fans. I've been railing against you green teamers for the last seven years. Whether it was Danny and his assets or Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie Irving or even going back to, you know, just to, you know, fleecing the fucking nets or when we when the Lakers beat the Celtics in, in 2010 and ended the big threes run. Which, by the way, y'all were the first super, super team, which I fucking hate that, that, term because I think it's stupid uh, and, and it's just ignorant as shit and lazy like LeBron um, but it's just I hate you people Boston fans I hate you Okay, Dan Lebetard and Bomani Jones ain't got shit on me when it comes to loathing Boston but there is a line I will not cross there is a line that I will not go over, and there is a spot that I will pick in the sand, draw my line, and say, you know what? That's too far. LeBron, Bomani, Lebetard, everybody at ESPN, Mike Florio, basically anybody outside of Boston is no problem pole vaulting that line. And what do they do? They call Boston racist. They label them racist. It is the most intellectually lazy take that you can have in 2022. To sit there and call somebody a racist for what? Why? Because they threw a beer at you, LeBron? Name me the racist. Give me an example of somebody saying something racist to you, LeBron. Give me one example. Just one. That's all I want. Just one and I'll shut up. But you can't. People wearing fuck LeBron James shirts in the stands at the Boston Garden? I hate to break it to you, bud. 
It's not racist. If you were white, they would still be wearing them because you have been a thorn in their balls for the last 20 years. Because you have prevented them from winning championships and you have been something that they had to overcome in order to win theirs. You're a rival. When I say fuck Derek Jeter, it's not because he's white. Or if I say fuck Jorge Posada, it's not because he's Latino. It's because he played for the fucking Yankees and I hated him. Do you think anybody in New York was like, fuck David Ortiz because he was Dominican? No. So why does it only work that other way? Why does it only come back the other way? Why is it when Boston teams say, fuck this guy or fuck that guy? If we were sitting here saying, fuck Luca," which we might be in the next couple of years, who knows? And by we, I mean this area. I don't mean we. I, I don't associate with Boston fans at all. I've disowned you. I've, I've gone completely the other way. I don't even root for the Red Sox anymore. I, I, will, I won't root for the Red Sox. I won't even watch the Red Sox. To the point where unless they're playing the Astros in the playoffs, I will not watch. Because I refuse to give John Henry, Linda Pizzuti, Tom Werner, and LeBron James, who is also part owner of the Boston Red Sox, a nickel of my fucking money. Not going to do it. This man just called out an entire city and said, y'all are racist. And he is a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. People forget that. People forget that this man is a part owner of the Boston Red Sox. So if you are a Red Sox fan, and you have any semblance of a spine, and you are still supporting the Boston Red Sox after an owner, and this is just a minority owner, no pun intended, a minority owner, LeBron, I think he owns like 2.5% of the Red Sox or whatever. He's in the Fenway ownership group. He probably owns part of a soccer team and maybe a couple NASCAR teams too, which is pretty ripe. If you still support this shit, what are you doing? He's literally taking a shit on you and saying, fuck you. You're racist as fuck. His words, not mine. His words, Boston is racist as fuck. You ask David Ortiz, hey David, you ever had uh, any, any, you ever experienced like any over, any racism in Boston while you were here? Nope, not a little, not even a little bit. How about Damian Woody? Hey, Damian Woody, you ever, ever experienced racism? No, I went to Boston College. I never, never saw any of that shit. And that's not to say it doesn't exist, it doesn't happen. But just because you can't, if you can't give me an example of something that was said to you that was actually racist or actually out of line, and then you're going to label a whole city, a whole demographic of people racist, yeah, I'm going to have a fucking problem with that. Because it's it's dishonest at best, and it's downright evil at worst. Because you're making people, you're putting people on their heels and forcing themselves to defend themselves against something that they can't possibly defend themselves against. Whoa, 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 hold on, I'm not racist. Well, how do I know you're not racist? Oh, well, let me show you, let me show you. Look, I put the Black Lives Matter thing in my Facebook profile. 
Okay, but did you donate your money? Well, no. I mean, like, I only make like you know, like sixty grand a year. Oh, you're a racist. Like, where's where? Like, what is the what is the point? Or wh- wh- where do you draw the line? With someone like LeBron James, with his clout and his following and his command of so many people, comes out and says Boston is racist as fuck, which we all know isn't true. Okay, you want to go back to the 60s and Bill Russell and all that shit? Like, okay, yeah, great. That was, what? What are we talking about? 60 years ago? 70 years ago? I'm sorry, but I don't judge somebody on what their great-grandparents did or their grandparents did. Sorry, I'm 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 not doing that. I'm not labeling an entire city. And listen, there is nothing more than I would love than to fucking sit here and shit on Boston. But Boston fans as sports fans, provide me with more than enough material to shit on them on a day-to-day basis where I don't need to be so fucking lazy as to call them racist. It is such a lazy, ignorant take, and it just shows that you have no intellectual ability to formulate an argument or have a conversation, which I love all these people. The first thing they do is, you know, they say, oh, well, you're, you're racist. We, you know, we got to have a dialogue. Okay, let's have a dialogue. Well, I mean, not with you. You're a racist. You just said you wanted to have a dialogue. Right, but, like, not that kind of dialogue. Like, I want to have a dialogue with a bunch of other people that think exactly the same way that I do and, know, and say the same things that I say. Those are the only people I want to have a dialogue with. Not you. We just want to – you're our whipping boy. Like, what the fuck? LeBron James got a participation trophy from his fucking high school. Okay, he's never made it off page one of a book. I'm not taking social advice from that man. Congratulations, LeBron. You're six foot nine, 280 pounds, and Nike granted you $80 million on your, or $90 million on your 18th birthday. Well played, sir. Well played. Good for you. You lived the American dream, which I also find funny that you hate this country so fucking much that it gave you, it made you a billionaire, and yet you still can't find anything good to say about it, which I think is just hilariously hypocritical. Uh, but, you know, maybe LeBron should go live in China. You know, I hear that they're, you know, they, they treat their people pretty well, right? I mean, as long as you don't say anything bad about the government, as long as you don't step out of line at all, as long as you don't, uh, you know, bring vape pens, you know, into their airports, you're good. You're good. But LeBron has got to be, that is the laziest argument, and I fucking hate Boston fans. I love nothing more than a shit on all of you. I've made a living out of it for the last 15 years. But I can't sit here and say that every single person, all the people that I live amongst, of all the people that I live amongst, and I've been to Fenway, the Garden. I've been to Foxborough. I've seen a lot of shit. I've had shit thrown at me. I've been in fights. I've had cops have to escort me out of Fenway because somebody because because I was allegedly inciting a riot for simply wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey in the bleacher section during the finals. Sue me. True story, by the way. I'll tell it to you someday. Sitting in the bleachers, center field, me and two of my buddies. PJ and Pokey, they know damn well who they are and they know exactly what situation I'm talking about. Wore a Kobe Bryant jersey to a Boston fan to a Boston Toronto game. 
in Fenway and had to be escorted out by state police because people were getting so angry that I wore a Kobe Bryant jersey. I'm not a little dude. I don't have a problem fighting you. I choose not to most of the time because, honestly, I can't fight my way out of a paper bag. I don't know how to fight. I'm just a big guy. If I get my hands on you, it's probably going to be game over. But other than that, I don't know how to fucking throw a left hook. I don't know Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't know Muay Thai, Krav Maga, whatever it is, you mixed martial arts. I mean, there's mixed martial artists I know that are literally half my size. They weigh 150, 160 pounds. Would whoop my fucking ass in seven seconds. That doesn't mean I'm going to stand down to you in the center field bleachers at Fenway. But I had to get a police escort out of there because people wanted to fight me. Because of the jersey I wore on my back, which again, I get. Okay, cool. We're in Boston. It's during the Lakers Celtics finals. People, you know, emotions were high, alcohol was involved. I get it. I hate you too. But guess what? The guy that spit on me on his way down, on his way down the aisle, was he a racist? No. No, I don't think he was a racist. Was the guy that threw his bag of peanuts at me a racist? No. No, I don't think he was a racist. I just think they were sports fans that were a little too intoxicated and a little too fired up and a little too entitled and encouraged by the mob around them. I mean, we can go back to the Adam Jones and the Tory Hunter thing, speaking of Fenway, and false hate hoaxes. I mean, do you remember those? Remember Adam Jones started chirping at the fans in the center field bleachers? Because somebody allegedly said something racist to him, yet the whole bleachers were packed and no one heard it? 13,000 people in the bleachers, no, not one person heard it. Not one person could, have, could confirm what was that they heard what was said alleged that was alleged by Adam Jones no one heard it and then what happened to Adam Jones the next night he comes out and he gets a standing ovation in Fenway Park as a visitor for the Baltimore Orioles standing ovation oh, oh how brave how brave and then there was that whole bullshit story that was made up about the the uh the biracial gay couple with their adopted son uh, with the guy who just happened to work for the Boston Globe, which John Henry owns, if you don't know. Uh, and just, the you know, they happened to make a off-color comment about the national anthem singer. Yeah. No. No. And then you got people on WEI. Well, I don't understand why people just can't believe you. Why, why don't people just believe you? What do you mean, why don't we just believe them? We're supposed to ask questions. This is what we do. We're asking questions for a reason. Because this whole situation just sounds made up and false. So we're asking questions like, okay, if this did happen, point the guy out. Let's publicly shame him. Let's make him famous, right? That's what we always say. Make him famous. Point him out. Make him famous. Make an example out of him. Why couldn't we do that? Oh, because we don't know who it was. Well, the Boston Red Sox know who it was, but nobody else does. They kept his identity a secret. Why is that? Hmm, maybe because he didn't exist? About the only conclusion I can come to that makes any sense. Or how about Tory Hunter and his story? Completely made up, fabricated. 
about a bunch of little kids chanting the N-word at him from behind the visitor's dugout. And all the parents just, like, high-fiving behind him with beers in their hands. Like, yeah, get him, kids. Oh, man. We're raising some gems here, aren't we, guys? Yeah. It's just like our old frat days. Wait, what? Like, no one, no one heard that. No one heard it. No one saw it. Tory Hunter 100% made that up. But you got simps who just sit there and pander. Well, why can't people just believe you? Because it's so over-the-top, obviously fake, that we have to ask questions. No one's saying racism doesn't exist. No one's saying racist shit doesn't get said. I'm not saying I have never heard. I've seen it happen. Two of my best friends are Vietnamese, and I had somebody tell them to go back to China, you fucking chinks. They're not even Chinese. I saw that happen. In person. I know it happens. I'm not ignorant. But I also know my bullshit meter is pretty on point. And when LeBron James comes out and labels an entire city racist as fuck, and you have his hundreds of millions of followers around the world, and they hear Boston immediately, they think the first thing that's going to come into their mind is, you're like, oh, racist as fuck. Listen, I hate defending Boston. I really do. But if you support the Red Sox, as of right now, if you're a Red Sox fan and you still support the team, shame on you. You're a fucking coward. You have no spine. You're letting an owner, you're letting an ownership group tell you that you're a piece of shit, especially if you're a white male. You're letting a you're letting them tell you you're a piece of shit and they hate you. And you're a racist. And you're all the worst things that you can't possibly defend yourself against. And yet you're still just shoveling over your money to them. Sorry, I got no sympathy for you. Honestly, I don't even know if I want anything to do with you. Because you have no spine. Stand up for yourself. John Henry, he hates you. He was haunted by the ghosts. Oh God, Yaki Way, they haunted me. They were, it was so, I was so haunted by the ghost of Tom Yaki and what he did. Give me a fucking break. John Henry, until John Henry dies or sells the team, I will never, ever give the Red Sox another dime of my money. And I get it. There are some of you out there that are tied up. you got season tickets. You're already invested, and it's hard to, to walk away. But at some point, you got to start asking yourself, at what point did – what what – when, when do I start to wonder, do these people even value me as a customer? Because they don't. They're shitting on you, all over you, pissing all over you every single day of the week, and you're still giving them your money. Just throwing it out there. Some food for thought. I wouldn't expect much else from Boston fans, though, because they'll just turn a blind eye, and they'll just be like, ah, I'm going to fuck right around. Fuck the Yankees. Go Sox. Okay, cool. No, that's fine. I, I get it. It's cool. It's cool. Do you. Do you. But don't come crying to me. And certainly don't sit here and blow smoke up my ass and tell me that, well, you know, as Boston fans, you know, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. I'm just asking for one example. That's it. Just one example of something racist that was said to LeBron James or Tory Hunter or Adam Jones or anybody else for that matter that comes into Boston and wants to label this entire city and this entire area a bunch of racist bigots. As if we're, like, just 
just this shit slum of fuck all that knows no bounds. So I'm willing to call Boston fans a lot of things. Racist is not one that I'm going to do. Maybe because I'm not intellectually lazy and I actually can think for myself and I can put two thoughts together. But that's besides the point. 774-992-8702. Going to wrap it up here in about three minutes. Uh, just a quick little thing on, the, uh, on, on Major League Baseball while we're on the topic of Fenway, the Red Sox. The Yankees, the home run derby was last night. The All-Star game is probably going on right now, uh, as far as I know. Um, I don't know if anybody cares. The home run derby was a blast. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Juan Soto won. It was fucking awesome. Juan Soto is going to be... My fingers are crossed that he's either a Met or a Padre uh, by the trade deadline. Just because I don't think the Astros are going to be able to get him or would need him for that matter. Um, but, I mean, everybody could use a Juan Soto, but I'm just saying I don't want him to go to the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Dodgers because I feel like those three teams, uh, well, at least the Yankees and the Dodgers, are going to be the Astros' direct competition in terms of getting another World Series title. Uh, so if he went to the Padres, I think it would be another year. I think they probably need another year uh, to build around him, Tatis, and Machado, which I think would be a just... To me, that's the best fit. Let's put it that way. I think that's the best fit. His best friend is Tatis Jr., uh, Soto Tatis, and then Machado is kind of like the old man in the room. I think it would be fucking awesome. It would put San Diego back on the map as far as a sports town. It would be hilariously fun to watch. Or I hope he goes to the Mets simply because i got a good buddy of mine who's a Mets fan, and I would love if the Astros can't win the World Series, I want the Mets to do it. Or maybe the Yankees. Either way. Mets or Yankees. Because I think either one of those, all three of those teams, Astros, Yankees, Mets, uh, that would piss off the Red Sox fans the most. What, whatever fans they have left at that point. Or at least it would just go up John Henry's ass sideways. And hopefully just make him want to sell the team. Uh, but nonetheless, Juan Soto was awesome. Uh, J-Rod was awesome. It was awesome to see Albert Pujols beat Kyle Schwarber and get into that second round, even though I don't know that I, – I, I don't know what Kyle Schwarber's uh, batting coach pitcher was or, or was was doing, uh, throwing him all those terrible, terrible uh, terrible balls and terrible spots. Um, but nonetheless, it was great to see Albert Pujols. You know, the whole time I was watching Albert Pujols hit, I'm like, if I was Albert Pujols, like if I was his hitting coach, I'd be like, all right, so when you get to the plate, just – Imagine I'm Brad Lidge, okay? That's all you're going to do. Just picture Brad Lidge, lights out Lidge, is on the mound, and I'm throwing to you. And we would, we'd probably still be sitting here waiting for balls to come down because they'd be in fucking orbit. Uh, all that being said, it was a great time. I really, really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved Albert Pools again. Talk about end of an era. This is it for fucking the machine. Big Al, one of the goats. I hope hope he gets the number four all time on the home, on the home run list uh, before the season's over. He's going to need a pretty big second half to do it, but we'll see if he gets there. That being said, uh, it was a fun time. I obviously didn't get to see. Uh, I'm not watching the All Star game right now. Uh, I will be watching the Captain episode one as soon as I get off the show here after this. Um, 
not sure what to expect out of it. I assume it's going to be a couple couple hours of Derek Jeter porn uh, in, in, in the best possible way. Baseball, Derek Jeter porn, not the other way. Um, because obviously he was way too good at not getting caught doing anything stupid to uh, have anything leak out like that. There'll be no fappening with Derek Jeter involved like there was Justin Verlander. Um, but nonetheless... I'll be watching the ep- uh, the first episodes, or I'll probably binge watch the captain. Hopefully tonight, tomorrow night, uh, get that, get through that, and uh, see what see what that's all about. Hopefully, it's better. I'm hoping it's better than the last dance, in the sense where I hope that I learn stuff that I didn't already know. The thing that I kind of that boiled down for me with the last dance it was a great documentary. It was Jordan porn, six episodes of it. It was just obviously if you were a Jordan fan, you were just in all your glory. Only the Rodman and Phil Jackson episodes really hit me as anything that was worth taking away from that. Um, That being said, I didn't learn a lot about Michael Jordan that I didn't already know from that documentary. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping this one isn't the same way. Um, But we'll see. I love Derek Jeter. He is the man. He is the greatest shortstop of all time. I, I, I don't want to hear about Onus Wagner. I don't want to hear about Alex Rodriguez or Nomar. I mean, you could just take that shit, shove it up your ass. It's Derek fucking Jeter. He's the greatest shortstop of all time. Deal with it. Whether you love the Yankees, you hate the Yankees, I don't really care. I, You know you know me. I hate those people that are like, well, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan or I'm a Yankees fan and I'm saying Nomar was better than Jeter. Like, no, I don't, I don't really give a shit. It's like the same people like, well, I'm a Colts fan, and I'm saying Brady was better than Peyton. Okay, but why? <laughs> because I'm a Colts fan, and I'm saying that. Okay, but that's not a reason. That's now you're just you're just using plausible deniability. You're just getting out of it. You're just kind of just skirting it by saying, "Well, <laughs> I'm a Colts fan, and if you know Colts fans, we hate the Patriots and Tom Brady. So for me to say that about Tom Brady." should mean everything. Well, no, because I don't actually know what you know about football. Same thing can be applied when it comes to Derek Jeter at shortstop. Derek Jeter is the greatest shortstop of all time. I really don't want to hear anything about it. There is no discussion in my book. Um, you know, this is not one of those things that I'm uh, I'm willing to entertain. Okay, not even, not, I won't even, I, I honestly won't even have a, a remotely serious conversation with you about it. If you come up to me and you say, insert player here is better than Derek Jeter as a shortstop and be like, all right. So anyway, I'm going to go over here and play tiddlywinks with my dick. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Sorry. I, I, I thought I had something better than that, but um, you're just not a serious person and I don't need to be, I don't need to be here with you. So on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to watch the captain. I'm going to play some, I'm going to go racing and some eye racing. Uh, I'm going to do some fun stuff. We will be back. I believe Sean and I will have a show next week. We might take next Tuesday off. Maybe I'll do another solo show. I don't know. I got to talk to Sean. Plizzy will be on vacation, so he's not going to be here. Uh, but we'll be back at it next weekend. And uh, we will be, you know, back doing what it is that we do. Uh, which is talking mad shit about sports. So make sure you give us a like and a follow. If you like the show tonight, obviously give us a subscribe uh, on our Facebook channel. You can also go to our YouTube channel where we have uh, every single show we've ever done. This show will be up there as well. You can go over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast, this show will be available, iHeartRadio, 
the whole nine, Pandora, everything. It's all there. It's all available on all of those platforms uh, as obviously a post-show. Um, yeah, it won't be live, but you know, you'll be able to hear the show. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. I am Joey Fats. This has been another episode of Row One, Seat One. Midway through July, July the 19th already. We are halfway through July. Training camp starts next week. Football is upon us. The month of the gods is upon us. Before you know it, will be the Hall of Fame game. We'll be into that portion of the summer where we everybody just crosses their fingers and prays that their best fantasy player does not go down with a non-contact injury. It becomes the most hectic time of the year. We'll talk fantasy football in the next couple of weeks. We'll talk all things uh, NFL over the next few weeks. Hopefully, we'll have some breaking news, too, with Kyrie, KD, what's going on there in the NBA world. Uh, But until then, I am Joey Fats. This has been Roll One Seat One. Thank you all for joining me. I appreciate you. Love you. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right? Peace.